Ladies and gentlemen, you know what that sound means. It means it's episode 211 of the Personal Arrogance Podcast, brought to you by the Bald Move Network. I am one of your hosts. My name is Eric Walquist. And joining me this week, as he does each and every week, is the other host of the show. His name is... I'm Jesse. What if Chewbacca could actually speak English the whole time? He was just really sleepy during the entire trilogy, Wilson. Beautiful. Well, he obviously... Like, that's the thing about Chewbacca, is that he understands English. Right. So maybe he's just not a confident English speaker. Yeah, and maybe he's just really tired. He's like, (laughs) anyway, you got a cup of coffee, Han? You just don't see that part. (laughs) I just love it that Han's like, no, Chewie. Like, like, as as acting like he knows what he's saying. He's like, Han, that's not what I was saying. I just... Yeah, got a total, yeah, totally misinterpreted. Yeah, I mean that's a weird thing about Han and Chewie is that they can understand each other's languages. So you'd think that, I think at least I don't know how the Wookiee vocal cord structure like lines up, but I think at least Han should be able to speak Wookiee. Like he should know how to even try. Doesn't even give it a shot. I mean, he's going to have a little bit of an accent, but. Uh, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Anyway, <laughs> Jesse, let's do a little Kickstarter update right off the bat. Okay, let's get into it. Let's I've been get getting a it. lot of great support, mm-hmm. and I just want to say thank you to everyone who's back so far. We're up to 76 backers, Yeah, yeah. Uh, which means we only need like 225 more. Mm-hmm. We're at eight point seven thousand. Yeah, uh, yeah. So we're we're chugging along and we're getting we're getting some support from the Bald Move Nation. Absolutely. From personal arrogance nation. Uh, um Tasha and I went and checked out a location in Bremerton on Saturday. Cool. It was pretty cool. It's a building that has a little courtyard. And what's great is like the building has been gutted and they have the architecture uh, the architect and stuff ready to work on it, but they want to wait until there's people to move in before they finish it. Uh huh. So we could kind of get something like built to built to order basically. <laughs> nice. And so it's a cool, like, um, recessed, uh, floor. It's not a basement, but it's a little bit below ground level. Cool. And the upstairs part is also going to be, uh, utilized and the rumor is and I've got not gonna name names or anything but a arcade from Seattle that's been <laughs> around since I was a kid uh, is closing its stores in Seattle but the family lives in Bremerton now and they want to move into that location Wow so it could be the tasting room down below that's that's called synergy man. Like exactly. You, you've you've so turned the it kids t- upstairs with a roll of quarters, and mm-hmm. Mama and Dada have uh, a couple pints each. Nicely done. That's so cool, man. Well, uh, it's got to be an exciting time for you. I'm excited for you. It's very exciting. And yeah, we just want to put the call out there. If you haven't, of course, we really appreciate everybody who's given so far. Um, I, I you know I like I I like to say that you're just helping dreams come true. If you like to make dreams come true, this is the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and if you haven't done it yet, please do it uh, early. Um, cause... Yeah, do it sooner than later because mm-hmm. we need momentum. And mm-hmm. if you haven't donated yet and you're listening to this podcast, you know, I'm not mad, <laughs> but I am disappointed. <laughs> I expected more out of you, and there's still time to redeem yourself. Yeah. But um, just I want you to take this seriously. Exactly. He's tapping his foot. 
<laughs> yeah, and, yeah. My arms are crossed. <laughs> mustache is twitching. That's how you know it's serious. Oh man, yeah. It's it's <laughs> just really cool to see all the outpouring of support from Bald Move listeners, and uh, and it's exciting, man. I I just get excited, and I'm, and I'm a proxy. I'm proxy excited yeah. for you. Well, you're you're fit an integral part of this uh, this project too. Like you're invested in it for sure. So. Well, I just want to go and drink a beer. That's yeah, all I and then maybe do. go upstairs to the arcade. <laughs> I have a feeling I would be making a lot more trips to Bremerton if this whole <laughs> thing gets pulled off. I, I am so happy for you, man. And uh, and yeah, just once again, just search for Lovecraft Brewing. Uh, if you do, type that into Google, first thing that pops up is the Kickstarter. And uh, and yeah, and if you have given, spread the word a little bit. That would also be very nice. Uh, tell yeah, the I need friends. you to evangelize. Evangelize the beer. And it's really yeah. cool. My favorite thing is if you go to the backer section, all of the different geographic areas that are represented is really cool as well. Yeah, so. yeah that's the best part when someone who obviously uh, is not going to be making daily pilgrimages to my mm-hmm. brewery because they live in London or something yeah. is supported. Well, I mean, you are, I guess, I don't know, you're not really brewing in the English tradition, are you? No. It's more like the mainland Europe. Belgian, maybe. Belgian, baby! All right, well, that's awesome, man. Kickstarter, once again, uh, just search for Lovecraft Brewing Company on into Google or into the Kickstarter, and it's the first thing that'll pop up there. Yeah, if you go to Kickstarter and search Lovecraft, it's number one. Number one, baby. Uh, speaking of beer, I, I, we've kind of skipped the what are you drinking segments lately. Um, right. But I got to uh, I got to pop the top on this bad, bad boy because I'm very excited about it. Uh, Liddy and I were down in Georgetown this past weekend, and there's a really awesome – a bottle shop down there, uh, Georgetown being a neighborhood of Seattle, not the Georgetown that's in Washington, D.C. Uh, and I can't remember the name of the bottle shop, so that's a bit of a dumb thing. But they carry Omnipolo beers from Stockholm, Sweden. Oh, your favorite. My favorite. I'm so excited about this. Uh, so I picked up two 12-ounce bottles. They're actually not even uh, 12 ounces. They're 33 centiliters. So they're 11.2 fluid ounces. <laughs> um, and they are seven dollars and fifty cents a piece for oh. uh, for uh, eleven ounces of beer. And by golly, it's my fucking birthday! My wife bought me an awesome Seahawks ugly sweater. Is it your birthday today? No, it's my birthday on Saturday. But uh, yeah. but I was like, uh, I'm gonna buy these beers for myself for my birthday. So I spent fifteen dollars on twenty two ounces of beer, and I'm gonna drink it on the podcast. Uh, so the first one I'm drinking is the Nebuchadnezzar. It's the Imperial India Pale Ale, and it's from Omnipolo Brewing. Uh, and I'm going to drink it. Good. I'm drinking uh, the Top Cutter India Pale Ale by Bale Breaker oh my God. out of a can. Nice. And Bale Breaker's uh, out of Yakima Valley. It's a farm to can, I guess you would call it, brewery. I don't know what Omnipolo... First of all, I don't know how to keep this beer fresh from Sweden. Uh, but it tastes so good. It's like the crispest Granny Smith type hops, and then finishes off like a this beer finishes off like a chocolate brownie. It's oh. like the most delicious thing, <laughs> like flavor wise, not not uh, not body wise. It's just so damn good, man. I wish that like ah, I just wish I could mo- move to Sweden. That's all I wish. Oh. Wow, just so I could drink from this brewery. 
Mm. But I guess well, I'm gonna have to settle for go vacation there someday. Yeah, <laughs> do like in how Parks and Rec when uh, Ron Swanson went to the the distillery. Mm-hmm. That can be you going to that brewery someday. I love it. Sailing man. across a foggy fjord, it comes into view. <laughs> You're wearing your ugly Seahawks sweater. Yep. Oh man, I could see it now. All right, so that's anyway. I, I just had to brag a little bit because I love Omnipod. Why do you wait? Wait, I just saw a picture of you wearing your Seahawks sweater. Yeah, it's not your birthday till Saturday. I know, but cheater. Well, we're going to Canada, so I didn't want to. <laughs> what? what does that have to do with anything? I didn't want to bring the present with me, like to Canada, and bring it through customs and stuff. Still, still and then, cheater. And then Lydia's working tomorrow, so whatever. It's a cheater. It's my birthday week. Get off my back. Oh, okay. I'm off it. <laughs> Speaking of getting off people's backs, let's get to some listener feedback. Got a bunch of it this week. We always appreciate it. We love it when you send it in. So we're going to start it off uh, with a call. Uh, this one comes to us from the 706. And... I can't remember which area code that is, but I'm sure we'll find out very soon. Here it is. Hey, fellas, what's going on? It's Will from Alabama again. Listen here. I was thinking about this. Uh, today I was driving down the road, and I was thinking about how a couple games I hadn't played in a while, and I have in my board game little little, little uh, closet thing, counter, cabinet, whatever. Who cares? Anyways, uh, <laughs> some of my favorite board games that I've played the mess out of, I love them. They're so good. And I had the base version, like, uh, specific examples were like uh, Thunderstone when it came out. I loved it. And then uh, also the Zombies Hut game. Now, I know you guys aren't into like uh, zombie games and stuff, but the point of the, the story is I played the mess out of them, and then I bought expansions for them because we played them so much. And after I did that, typically, because of one or two things, either one, uh, there was too many pieces then to worry about stuff, or it was uh, just, I just died down to the intensity of us wanting to play. I don't know. Is that something that you guys have ever struggled with or had? Is that you have a game, love it, buy some expansion or extra stuff for it, and then pieces to see the, the table time that you wanted to? I don't know. Just a thought. And, uh, stop sending, sending people down and get them on my back. So, <laughs> you guys get off my back. Stay here, here, Will. Thanks for calling in. I feel like Will has more of an accent on this call. I feel like it went into went into he went a little more into Alabama. Definitely came through. Definitely came through a little bit more. Uh, And I also love the term "playing the mess out of something." I like that. Um, uh, But yeah, yeah, I've not heard that. I'm going to play the mess out of. uh, I'm going to play the mess out of this on the pull of beer with a little mouth play. I'm going to stop talking about that. Next, I'm going to talk about expansions for board games. <laughs> so the only real uh, board games expansions that I've played a lot of are the Catan expansions, which I think supremely enhance the game. And then there's the Arkham Horror expansions, and Arkham Horror expansions come in two different parts. So there's the board expansion, which is like a big box expansion, adds onto the board, adds more cards, adds new uh, conditions for mostly losing the game, um, and we don't really play that. We don't really play with the board expansions, but we do play with the card expansions every time. And I really do like the board card expansions. Expansions are hard. Yeah, 
They're really hard and they're hard. There's they make it really difficult and probably more difficult than the game needs to be. Um I got stuck in his mouth and had no money to get the bus back and <laughs> couldn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't go to the bank and get a loan. Couldn't go to school and get a job. Um <laughs> You're just I think stu- you like my experience with that playthrough more than I do. I love that experience with that playthrough. That's what I love about Arkham Horror. Um, but but they do do a card expansion, which is a lot less, um, a lot less intrusive. And it's the King in Yellow card expansion. And you just shuffle it into the Mythos deck, and then you can basically uh, it just kind of adds a little more theme to the game. And that, I really like that. We actually play with that every time we play with my set because I just have those cards shuffled in. So I think if an expansion, unless it does something like Catan does, which is take a base game mechanic and then cities and knights it into an incredible experience, or if it is, uh, if, if the experience is already really robust and complex, something that adds more nuance but doesn't add on to that complexity, I think that's what I look for in a board game expansion. So that's yeah, my two cents. There's one board game expansion I never play without, and I never, I never went back to Agricola without Farmers on the Moor. Yep. Which kind of does both of those things. It took... I mean, no one's going to accuse Agricola of being a a basic game. Right. Because it's already fairly complicated. But it added a, a few more game elements that I really like. Mm-hmm. And it also added a lot more cards and occupations and, new, like you said, nuance. Awesome. So just added more. More of the stuff you love. Great. Yeah. So that's... I, I love board game expansion talk. Um <laughs> Let's move on to uh we gotta come up with a name for Michael's segments. Because uh he's he calls in every week. You know, we have to connect the dotsy. I think mm. maybe Michael I like I like this one. I like calling it Michael's back son. Which is kinda oh. like Michael Jackson. We'll workshop it. We'll workshop it. If you have any suggestions, let us know. Uh meanwhile here he is. Hey Michael McBride, of course, as always from Virginia here. <laughs> But I was listening to the podcast, and I just was listening to the Facebook roundup. And I heard that part about the Stone Brewing Company might be coming to Richmond, Virginia. I actually gasped in excitement. (laughs) I live less than an hour from that place. And that made me so excited. I I jumped for a second, and my dog looked at me like I was the most scary person she'd ever seen. (laughs) I would love it if that happened. Um, But... Besides that excitement, I'm just getting ready to watch y'all's game before it happens. I kind of, I don't know who I want to win this game. I actually kind of want Seattle to win because uh, we can play the Niners uh, first game of the season. I'm a Dallas fan if y'all haven't, I haven't told you that already. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I know. Say all the shit you want to about that, but whatever. I'm going to be a Dallas fan until the day I die. I do have kind of a soft spot for the Seahawks because I like Wilson. Sherman's hilarious to me. And I could, they're probably like a team I like from the follow, but hey, whatever. But would love to see what you guys do tonight. And I'm just waiting for you all to talk shit about my football team now. All right, guys, <laughs> get, get off my back. Get off my back, Michael. You know, I would talk shit about the Cowboys, but I don't like to kick someone when they're down. Yeah, actions speak louder than words. Yeah. And they've been acting like shit. For a few seasons, so yeah, but that game on did you see that Cowboys highlights? 
Tony Romo had three drives where he threw an intercept, three consecutive drives where he threw an interception. And that they were is shocking. They were not even close to being good throws. I mean, that's the thing about Tony Romo is like last year, he's actually a fill in quarterback on my fantasy teams for a number of weeks. I was one of my leagues, I was juggling Romo and Rivers. And Romo had some big weeks, especially that Denver game where he threw for like 400 plus yards. But every time I watch Tony Romo play quarterback, I am astounded at how bad he is at playing quarterback. It's it's insane yeah. to me how bad he is at quarterback. I don't think he's a bad quarterback until he feels like the game is on his shoulders and yeah. he, he's the one who's going to single-handedly win it. Yep. Triple coverage be damned. I'm going to make this. Th- <laughs> uh, oh, oh, I'm walking off the field. <laughs> yeah, that's Tony Robo for you. So anyway, and by the way, man, we didn't ever get to talk about the Seahawks game. Pretty good uh. stuff. Yeah, good good work, chaps. Way to go, green and blue. I'm looking forward to the Chargers game. The Chargers game will be fun. And then I realized I'm going to be in Colorado for the Seahawks-Broncos game. Re- Super Bowl re-match. So guess who's bringing their ugly sweater? <laughs> it's going to happen. Like you could possibly get hurt. Well, I'm going to be in Steamboat, Colorado, which is like a ski town. It's oh, not, okay. I'm not going to be like in Denver. <clears throat> right. And by the way, it's Denver, dude. It's not Oakland. Yeah. I don't know. I think they're a little upset about something. <laughs> Did you hear the thing? I think Levi was talk- telling us that <laughs> yeah. after the Super Bowl, he like put his shirt on the back of his chair. His Seahawks shirt. Yeah. And he, 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 I think at the time he might have been working in Denver, but yeah. it's not Denver, Boulder, Colorado. Yeah. And he said that like halfway through the day, a guy like came up to him and sincerely was like, Hey, man, it's really bumming me out. Yeah, what he said was, all right, Levi, you've had your victory lap. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That's the thing, man. And I'm sure Michael feels that because he lives in Virginia and he's a Cowboys fan. You know, the Washington football club there is the number one rival of the Cowboys. So I'm sure that he feels a little bit of that grief sometimes, too. And, you know, as... Oh, good. As bad as the Cowboys are this season, we're, we're kind of getting them to get off my running back here, but as bad as the Cowboys have been this season in one game, <laughs> the right. Redskins, or the Nash, the Washington National Football League Club, they look <laughs> they look even worse. They look terrible. So, uh, at least you can take solace in that fact. Yeah, there you go. G-O-M-R-B, baby. How about um, feedback of the McBride? <laughs> Is that like a father of the bride? Yeah, yeah. We'll workshop it. I think it. it was pretty obvious. We'll workshop it. <laughs> yeah, if you have, if you guys out there, if you have any ideas for Michael's segment, uh, please let us know. Perslaregates at gmail.com. We got a couple more voicemails here. This one comes to us from the 661. That is interesting. Let's hear it. Hey guys, this is Simon from Plymouth, Taranaki, and now living in Winnipeg. What? I'm just calling because I was watching the Seattle Packers game last night, and something bugs me, which I've just got to give for chest, and maybe you can explain why it happens. How is it that a team that is privately owned, and only stays in one location because that owner decides that where it is currently located, and plays in a domestic sporting league, is the world champions? Is that just an American thing, or is it a worldwide thing? 
sounds like I'm making a real big complaint here. I don't actually mind that much. It's just something that bugs me and gets me every now and then. Maybe you can explain it a little bit. Anyway, get off my arrogance, stay back, and talk later. <laughs> so, this person is, is from Australia, I'm pretty sure. Hate not America. Judging by the accent. Classic Aussie. Classic Aussie. I thought he said Winnipeg. I don't know. He said like Turnbong or something. <laughs> I feel like that's a that's like an Australian type name. <laughs> I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why yeah. they're the world champions. Well, I so I, I had this argument with my mother many yeah. times. And 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 well, I want to hear what you have to say because I feel like specifically in football they are the world champions. I'll tell you why they're the world champions. It's because there's not another football team in the world that can beat them. Mm -hmm. They won. It's the pinnacle of football leagues just in the world. That's a fact. There's not like some Cambodian football team that would totally come and beat the Seahawks. Right. So they're the world champions at football. We're not saying they're the world champions at you know, also all football related sports like soccer and rugby league and chess or anything. It's just football. Just give them that. They're the best football team. Yeah, and that's what, that's what I'm saying. Like football, the reason why is because it's an American sport. It's uh, it's the it's, a, it's the most popular sport in America. So, like, I wouldn't call them the MLS Cup champions, the Major League Soccer champions here in the United States, the World Champions, and I don't right. think no, they call themselves ridiculous. that either. That that is completely ridiculous, but. In football specifically, they they are. There's no way there's any team in the world that would beat the Seahawks like after they beat the Broncos. Right. They had nothing else to prove. Um, I mean, I mean, of course, a, an NFL team might be able to beat them on any given Sunday, but based on their playoff structure, you win the league, you are crowned as the best team in the league. So, right. That's the idea. Now, I do have a little bit because you know football's not the only sport that does this. Uh, Basketball does this. Baseball does this. The, they're they're considered world champions. And while I'm on board with the baseball thing, I do think that probably you know, and like baseball is a world sport. Then the teams have players from Japan, from Korea, from the Netherlands, Antilles, from Cuba, from the Dominican Republic, from Venezuela. Like it is definitely this is where the world comes to play baseball. Um, so I don't have much of a problem with it in baseball either, but in basketball, I think that you might be able to put a question mark on world champions. Really? But yes. Uh, just because, uh, I feel like basketball can be a much more nuanced sport. And if anything that the Olympics have taught us in recent years, is that, uh, with a good system, you can beat a good, a, a talented basketball team. And, and basketball is a sport that's played worldwide. So I I don't know about basketball, but I'm okay with baseball and football. Um, I'll have to take your word for that. I'd like to see NFL football in the Olympics, though. Oh God, it would be a bloodbath. Well, they had to remove baseball from the Olympics because it was too much of an advantage for America. Oh, was it? Yeah, or I guess maybe not for America, but it was. They said basically like not enough countries played it. And they, I know they removed softball from the Olympics, fast pitch softball, because America dominated that. Like, I don't think any country ever won a gold medal except for the United States in fast pitch softball. Uh, but man, I just feel like it would be really, really rough on other teams. <laughs> no, it'd be pretty bad. Yeah. I don't even really truly understand the Olympics because I thought at some point, like, only amateurs were allowed to participate. No. Okay. No. 
I mean, in certain um, in certain leagues, that's true. But uh, there are certain sports that's true. But that's based on the governing body of that sport. So, figure skating, you have to be an amateur. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, and basically, but I would watch the hell out of that silver medal match for sure. <laughs> Who do you think it would be between? In uh, in NFL, yeah, Canada and Mexico. Canada, I feel like Australia could put together a stout team. If you have a bunch of Aussie rules football players and you teach them how to play American football, ooh, ooh, that would be interesting though, because yeah. like your line of scrimmage guys would obviously all be rugby players, mm-hmm. but then your receivers. And your punters, your yeah. special teams guys would all be Aussie rules players. Yeah. So that would be interesting. That would be interesting. They might be a little tougher. And not to mention, if they're not trying to protect themselves for a multi-million dollar contract, they might go a little more all out on the offensive <laughs> side of the ball. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for, for queen and country. The this question is, is, if you leap into the air and use your knees to jump onto another player... To make an interception or a reception <laughs> is that uh, illegal contact? I, I think if you're looking at the ball, it's all it's all fair game. All right, yeah, that, that would be exciting. Spin that head around, brother. <coughs> anyway, uh, thank you for the call from Australia. That's so cool. Um, and then finally, uh, we got one more uh, call from uh, Michael's back, son. We're still, no, still working. Father of the McBride. <laughs> <laughs> Michael of the Mc. For, call the whatever. Here it is. Eminem, Michael McBride here. I'm just oh. trying to be dorky oh. for a minute there, but okay, I guess that worked really well. Okay, uh, so I got the tail kick. My Dallas Cowboys got the tail kicked out of them <laughs> in the first quarter, basically. So yeah, but oh well. Uh, good. Congratulations on your first Seahawks win since the Super Bowl, because I don't really count preseason, but you all just destroyed the Packers in a way I was not even remotely expecting. I, I saw a look on, on Aaron Rodgers' face and looked like, I'm going to be scared. But, <laughs> all right, besides that, how on earth do you guys recommend you fix? Hmm, I had it and I lost it. I, I had it. Oh, yes. How do we fix the broken internet that fit the whole road system of the United States? Hmm. I mean, there are some places that just does not make sense. New York is a great example, and I know you've probably been through Boston at a time. I know you guys have been to Boston at a time, but you oh, random statement. I actually found out recently that you guys were at uh, a taxi that I was at, and I was very mad that I didn't wasn't listening to your podcast at the time. Because that's case, I was totally mad up with y'all. All right, guys, stay arrogant and get off my back. So I think Michael might have been a little... Uh amped up for that call it was jazz it was i jazz by some good football i did not understand what he asked us did you how understand? do we fix the internet uh the interstate highway system <laughs> i think that's what he asked okay okay um, roads roads are bad fix them <laughs> we're not politicians michael uh, i have an idea what's that well, for one thing, I want to get rid of all taxation nationwide. There you go. And I want uh, I want the super wealthy, uh-huh. who are only going to get wealthier by my no taxation program. There you go. To uh, sponsor public c- civic works, much in the way that the Roman Empire did. 
Okay. So instead of having highway, um, you know, I-90 that connects uh, Boston to Seattle, let's have interstate Bill Gates. And he, <laughs> he funds the whole thing, and his legacy is based off of it being a good highway. There you go, the Bill Gates, so, the B- Bill Gates Highway. Yeah, and then that whole sh- stretch of America can be the Bill Gates belt. See, the problem with that is that I feel like Bill Gates would go broke really fast. Like I like they're building a tunnel in Seattle. Well, that was they, a horrible idea. They're building a tunnel here in Seattle and the price tag on the sign, they have like those working for you signs, price tag 1.4 billion dollars. That yeah, means Bill Gates Bill can Gates only can handle that. He, yeah, he can build he can handle one tunnel, but he can only handle like 40 tunnels. <laughs> Like, that's crazy. Like, Bill Gates, the richest man in the world, can afford, like, 40 tunnels. But it'll be broke. (laughs) Maybe that is a statement about how badly they're squandering the taxpayer money on that project. Uh, Regardless, it'll create, but that's what prestige will be based off of, is these civic programs. So then, like, the Koch brothers have to build, like, one highway each. You know? (laughs) <laughs> I, I got an idea. I got an idea. And this and this helps to uh, quell the military-industrial complex. Or maybe it feeds okay. into it. I don't know if it does. I don't really understand the military-industrial complex. Admittedly. I think it's like one big factory. Pretty much. But basically, we have all of these uh, decommissioned nuclear subs from the Cold War that we're not using, right? And right. you take a nuclear sub, you spin it around, mm-hmm. point it in the other direction, that thing's a drill. It's got the blades, it's got the engine that will never stop working. It's perfect. So you just use these decommissioned nuclear subs to build an underground tunnel system that goes from uh, Seattle to Boston, and then it's just pneumatic tubes. Well, that's how the original subway systems were built. Yeah, with submarines and ox. I think that we're. I think we solved this. Let's yeah. let's get into the show. <laughs> well, I'd like to thank everybody for calling in this week. If you got something to say, give us a call. Leave us a voicemail at three six zero three six two zero zero two four. Leave us a email or voicemail at personalarrogance at gmail dot com. Jesse, let's get into the show here. We got we got quite a bit to talk about. Okay. Um, so we're going to start it off with a little science news. If today we're able to create a two-headed dog with six legs, is it possible that a similar creature existed thousands of years ago? And I say yes. Great Scott! Okay, so this was sent to us from Levi. It's very, very exciting news. Uh, Rocky Mountain correspondent Levi Jetty. And it comes to us from the Washington Post. Um... This is the stunning accuracy of archer fish spit. Now, Jesse, did you check this out? I heard about it on the Joe Rogan podcast. Okay. Okay. So So I'm pretty well informed. Great. So there's this fish, and it's called the archer fish. Uh, It's native to southern and southeast uh, Asia. And they... Like to eat things that are not in the water, and this this poses a problem for archerfish because they uh, live in the water. So the mm. way that they solve this problem is that they spit, um, they spit like 
water at these spiders, insects, and small lizards and then drop them into the water and then eat them. And the crazy thing about this is that they have insane accuracy with their spitting. Like, this isn't your local, uh, uh, you know, uh, skull chewer down on the sidewalk. This is (laughs) precision Pokemon-esque spitting from these guys. Um, And there's a video here. I I can't remember if this is audio. But it doesn't matter because it's not playing. So don't worry about it. Um, (laughs) So the crazy thing about this is that uh, researchers actually... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa. Whoa, Washington Post. They also like the rock ass. (laughs) Jesus Christ, Washington Post. Wow. Okay, apparently it does have audio, but we're going to go ahead and leave that off in protest now. Um, (laughs) So researchers have trained this fish to hit targets at various heights, then filmed them in action to observe the mechanisms behind the shot. They found the fish were adjusting their jet stream to hit each target with maximum impact, whatever the distance. The fish adjusted the jet by changing the way they move their mouths. That's very novel. Um, It's just crazy. Like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, that's so, how they would do it that's how they do it and <laughs> so starting with an open mouth if they did it a different way it would be uh, starting with an open mouth a fish closes its mouth partially to create a smaller more focused stream of water by closing its mouth more slowly the fish <laughs> creates less acceleration this slower stream is designed to hit a distant target with more impact by closing its mouth quickly a fish creates a highly accelerated stream that is ready to hit a close target at optimum force. This physiological physiological trick, the researchers say, could potentially be used to create better human-built nozzles. So I think that the real takeaway here is finally we've broken the conundrum of the nozzle. Nozzle tech. I mean, yeah, nozzle tech has been in the dark ages for years now. We've been using novels that were... Uh, devised in the 1920s, 1930s. Right. Current uh, nozzle technology is based on um, adjusting angle. Exactly. Whereas in the future, nozzle technology will be based on adjusting pressure. There you go. Totally changing the game. Maybe you want a high stream, a high pressure nozzle at a lower angle. Too bad. Mm-hmm. We built this nozzle after a fish. You can't do that. Can't do it. There's no adjusting the angle. It's all based on pressure. Well, there you go. And so I and, and I don't want to. I want. I really want to stress this here is that nozzle technology is something that we all think about on a daily basis. It's something that we all love. It actually um, does affect my day to day life. It's something that when you're sitting at the. I kitchen, know you're goofing, but I use nozzles all the time. <laughs> Something that is, if you're sitting at the kitchen table, your dad and you, and you are probably going to get an argument over nozzles. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is obviously going to be... Oh, he did. Yeah, this is obviously going to be controversial uh, in the nozzle world. It'll be interesting to see which side of the political spectrum these two sides fall on. I have a feeling Democrats are going to be going more toward the, 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 the fish. Mm-hmm. Pro-angle. Pro-angle. Democrats are pro-angle, and Republicans are pro-pressure. There you go. 
So I'm just saying pick your sides now and get informed. Don't bring it up at Thanksgiving. Yeah, 2016 is right around the corner. And, you know, this is the type of thing that could decide an election. So Yeah, but just, you know, be civil this Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Don't bring it up when grandma's around. Um, and just watch the Cowboys lose instead. There you go. In another nozzle debate. Seahawks are playing the 49ers on Thanksgiving. Just throwing that Again? out there. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't do that last year. Uh, nope. Didn't they? Nope. Okay. Yorp. Uh, so anyway, that's nozzle talk. Thank you, Levi, for sending that in. <laughs> I'm just, just out of curiosity, what were the people at Joe Rogan talking about this? I actually confused this with what they were talking about, which is the shrimp. Oh, okay. Oh, the punching like, shrimp. That Yeah, that has like supersonic punching. claw powers. Mm-hmm. And so that's pretty cool. That shrimp is insane, dude. It punches <laughs> things so hard that it kills them immediately. That's its whole bag, and it's like the the my favorite thing about this shrimp is the it's the angriest animal ever. It's like it's madder than a hungry Siberian tiger. This thing gets pissed off at anything that comes around it. It just punches it in the face. <laughs> like it, this this is the perfect mascot for Jesse's uh, worse than a punch in the face. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I I I actually love this punching thing as well. Underwater creatures, people. Uh, and nozzle talk. Listen to it. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, our next uh, topic is going to be games. Here we go. Finish him. All right, Jesse. We got a ton of game news coming out this week. Uh, a little game came out. A little the game dropped yesterday. And uh, that game's called Destiny. Now, th- uh oh, yeah. Now, uh, I don't have, I don't own this game. I played the beta. Uh, I haven't used my um, my Xbox for gaming in about four weeks now. <laughs> okay. uh, mostly just using it for the HBO Go. But, uh, dude, the gaming industry is kind of crazy. It's kind of out of control because, like, we go to, um. We go to PAX every year, and they they spend a lot of money on these booths. Like, the Evolve thing, I really wonder how much... This year at PAX, at Evolve, they, they sculpted a giant monster, and it was, like, one of the coolest props I've ever seen, and I just... All I could think of is in, like, 20 years, that's going to be in some warehouse, and somebody's going to make a documentary about it. Like, they spend a lot of dough on these games, and it makes a lot of sense why, because... uh the uh the destiny more than a half a billion dollars worth of destiny shipped by day one Woo. yeah more than 500 million dollars worth of destiny to retail stores and first parties worldwide by september 9th uh build some tunnels that would that would build like half a tunnel that's half a tunnel worth um and we talked about this before because we talked about it with GTA. GTA also sold like a half a billion dollars in the first three days. It's right. just insane to me the amount of money that we're talking about with video gaming. And it's insane. So, um, just because I actually don't know, like, how much did Guardians of the Galaxy make opening weekend? This is what I, this is, so I, I'm going to bring this up because 
we and I'll, I'll look at that here um and but, you can just ballpark it but i'm just curious opening like, weekend it made less than 100 million dollars i think that it was it was it was a huge success because i think it made somewhere around i would guess somewhere around 70 million um i could take a look here opening oh i'm sorry opening weekend 94 million dollars for guardians of the galaxy unmitigated success uh mm-hmm. The and the largest opening for a original and it's it, sorry since it opened it, it actually is a larger world war worldwide gross than um, Iron Man one. Uh, the movie was released on August first, two thousand fourteen, so it's been out for about six weeks, and it has just passed five hundred eighty eight million dollars at the worldwide box office. Took it six weeks to do that. Um. And that's an unmitigated success. That's a huge hit. Uh, and this is Bungie is a game, or Destiny is a game. Yes, there's a lot of hype around it because it's Bungie's first project since Halo. Uh, but it's an original title. Uh, it's the first um, first of its kind here, and it ships five hundred million dollars in one day, or by yeah. by by launch day. So it's just crazy to me that. First of all, that video games are—I mean, people talk about a a time when video games are going to surpass movies as entertainment. Like that time is come and gone. Yeah, that's here. And the fact of the matter is, is that we, as a generation of people who were raised on video games, are a huge consumer base for these video games. And basically, everybody who's like I would say five years older than you and me. Uh, and then everybody who's younger than that are completely engrossed in video games as entertainment. And don't bat an eye at going out and spending $60 on a brand new game while they complain about spending $13 on a movie ticket. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, you and I always did the cost per hour math. Mm-hmm. And, like, if I buy a $60 game, and obviously you have to be really uh, cautious because if you buy a $60 game that's garbage... Right. That's worse than going and seeing a terrible movie. Right. But if you see, uh, if you buy a $60 game that is something to me, like Halo is, where I know I'm going to get on there and play for an hour or two every day for over a year. Yep. That, um, you know, that cost per hour becomes minuscule. You're talking like 10 cents or something. Mm-hmm. It's so true. I, I wonder at my- that point, obviously, it's worth it. I mean, my cost per hour on Madden from from just last year has got to be under a dollar. It's got to be like right. in the in the seventy five cent range, and that's right. for one game. And it's a dumb football game that I just play by myself. <laughs> <laughs> I right. just create teams and play by myself for hours on end. Um, right. So it's just really interesting to me. And another thing I wanted to bring up about this is Destiny. Um, so I've watched a bunch of playthroughs on it. And one of the things that people are talking about this game, and Jesse, I'm hoping that you can kind of explain this to me as a former WoW player, um, because it definitely has a, a level system in Destiny. And basically the story uh-huh. mode for the game uh, takes you to level 20. And that's your level cap. That's as high as you can go as a, as a player in Destiny. But they're also saying that once you hit level twenty, that's when the game really begins. And uh, right. and they were uh, they were aligning that philosophy to World of Warcraft, saying that really in an MMO style game that Destiny's borrowing from, the game kind of begins really 
when you hit maximum level count cap. Can you explain that to me? Because that's right. something I don't understand. I only kind of sort of can do this because I never reached... Back when I was playing World of Warcraft, level 60 was the highest level mm-hmm. that you could achieve. And I never got there. The highest I ever got was like 48 or 52 or something. like. And like that was a low level because, right. like they said, the game really opened up when you got to level 60. Because it's sort of like when you get to level 60... It, you want to find the advantage that gets you over the other level 60 players, and that doesn't come through uh, leveling up. Uh-huh. It comes through the equipment that you get. And to get that equipment, you have to do, at least back then, you had to do raids, uh-huh. which meant uh, you would you would do a group with like 20 other people who are all level 60, and you go to a dungeon, and it would take everyone, and the success rate might be like 60% or something like that. Right. So it was a real challenge, and everything can go horribly wrong. And then it'll drop one piece of equipment, and you have this hierarchy of who gets what equipment. Was that based out of you know, say say what? Was that uh, socially uh, devised? Like, did people have yes. to decide who got it? Yeah. So wow. that would be like through the guild system, but then there would be all these controversies because like you needed a guild to do these raids. Mm-hmm. So. Um, it, it like the the equipment was bind on equip, so whoever picked it up, it bound to them, and only they could use it. Right? Wow. So um, you could also roll for it, and whoever rolled highest got the equipment, or you could abstain from the roll. So there was all these politics of like who <laughs> can roll on it and who can't, and if someone rolls on it when they shouldn't and they win it, like you can get kicked out of a guild for that, and then you have to like. <laughs> Go find another guild to do these raiding parties with, and then you're at the bottom of the social hierarchy. Wow. This is why people got invested so hard in this. And it's like, they would want to do raids, like, once a day. Right. Right? So, like, you would, you would like, accrue points that you could spend on your uh, privilege to roll on equipment based on how many raids you had been on and stuff like that. So, it got pretty wild. But, like, people needed those needed that equipment, and you could only get that equipment once you got to level 60, and that was what was really considered the game. Jeez, I didn't realize it, because I know people got sucked in and addicted to it, but I did not realize the overwhelming social aspect of it and how much that must have driven it. And there's a lot of drama, because bored losers online create drama over stupid (laughs) stuff. Uh, so this is interesting because that's what they were saying with Destiny is that most – because one of the things you could do is you can upgrade all your equipment in the game. So you can get a better uh, arm armor or you can get a better chest plate or you better get a, get a better gun or you can get better boots or you can get a better helmet. Um, so you can upgrade almost every part of your uh, cachet individually. But they said most of the equipment you can't even use until you get to level 20. So – it's interesting that they're adopting that system. Now, the interesting thing here, and I don't know, did they have PvP in WoW? Oh, yeah. Okay. Because it seems like this is where a lot of it happens, is that the, if you really want to level up in Destiny, that you basically have to play PvP, which is definitely Bungie's strong suit, but wrapping this MMO framework around it, I feel like, as we said before with what they're doing here, and not just making kind of a multiplayer game, but making an experience that you want to play long term, tying that those PvP elements 
two uh, well, uh, MMO style equipping, I think that that's that's kind of an interesting aspect there that we didn't we didn't discuss before. So yeah, that that could be seriously habit farming. I don't know, man. I'm thinking about picking it up. I feel like if I can get Levi and Jordy to pick it up, then I'll probably pick it up. Cause uh, yeah, I think you should. I played the beta and I really like the beta. It's it kind of love, me. I would love to, but I don't. I just don't have that time. Yeah. Well. Uh. Anyway, Destiny's coming out. I just want to talk about one more thing here in the gaming news section, and that comes to us about Notch. Uh. So apparently, there's a report that Microsoft wants to buy Minecraft. Uh, from Mahjong, which is the company that owns, uh, or Mojang, not Mahjong. <laughs> yeah, Mahjong is something else. Yeah, Microsoft actually already owns Mahjong. Uh, you can <laughs> check that out in Windows 3.5. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Microsoft. Whoa, Jesse, sorry, buddy. Uh, Jesse, uh, Microsoft, $2 billion bill to buy, to, two billion dollar deal to buy minecraft uh and yeah microsoft wants to own minecraft now this is another thing that i need to throw to you because i never played minecraft and uh-huh. you did play minecraft and to me this seems like so the only the only way this makes sense to me from a business perspective for microsoft because this is an investment right this is a two billion dollar investment in uh, the game and the game has been out for four or five years, mm-hmm. so it seems to me the only way that this is lucrative is if they turn this into a franchise. Like if this becomes the like the Halo or uh, you're leveraging the community like Nintendo does, or I don't know. But how do you, how would you monetize this? And what what is it about Minecraft that you th- like? I, I want to get it from your perspective because you played Minecraft. What is it that that Minecraft has that makes it viable as a two billion dollar asset? In your opinion, it does seem like a hard. It's going to be a hard road to get those two bills back mm-hmm. off of Minecraft. I guess the only reason I would think this makes sense is because apparently, like every boy, and I don't know about girls. Uh-huh. Probably girls too, but I know like every boy in like from third grade to seventh grade is completely addicted to Minecraft. Wow! For whatever reason, and maybe they're just using this as an opportunity to snag the next generation. Like we can buy the entire next generation of gamers loyalty for two billion dollars, and they're going to go for it. That make, actually makes. I mean, the the thing that boggles my mind about this is Oculus Rift was bought for. Was it bought for one billion dollars? Like I can, like it's either one or two billion dollars. But I could see the monetization of Oculus Rift far outsurpassing the monetization of Minecraft. But maybe I'm just being way too small-minded about this. Well, when you said um, Minecraft too, I immediately my mind dropped, uh, jumped to Oculus Rift because Minecraft plus Oculus Rift equals an experience that everyone's going to want to play. So maybe this is Microsoft's way of trying to cut into Oculus Rift a little bit by, like, guaranteeing the money from the first thing that most people are going to buy when they unwrap their Oculus Rift on Christmas morning, which is Minecraft, especially if it's a uh, aforementioned 11-year-old boy. Yeah. 
that's what he's going to want. So this is interesting because, I don't know, I might have said the same thing, uh, you know, 15 years ago about Pokemon. Uh, but to me, right. it, it seems like Minecraft might be the Pokemon of this generation. Uh, because right. and Poke- Pokemon is still going strong. It's still going strong, and every game is the same fucking game. They just keep releasing the same <laughs> game over and over and over and over. You got to catch them all. That's it. That's the game. Catch them all. Yeah. That's it. Just do gotta that. Build the shit. You got to Minecraft. Yeah, build the shit. It's Minecraft. Got to build, build it all. So I guess that makes sense. I uh, I guess I didn't really understand how much, and I've heard about that. That not only is Minecraft being used a lot by adolescent people, but it's also uh, being used in schools. Uh, it's being used uh, for well, a lot of people. It's school whether the teachers want it or not. <laughs> I mean, we had a bunch of those. We had a bunch of games that we played at school that were probably a lot less more less a lot less educational than <laughs> Minecraft. XCOM was highly educational. <laughs> I was just thinking about Oregon Trail. I was thinking that's my, that's my XCOM impersonation. It's pretty good. Uh, I, I was thinking Oregon Trail. Like nobody really learned anything from Oregon Trail. Everybody just, I learned that you don't want dysentery. That's what I learned. Everybody just went hunting until they couldn't carry any more meat. Yeah, I loved it when you I also were... learned what. No matter how many buffalo you kill, you can only bring back two hundred pounds of meat. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it was basically a bloodbath every time I went hunting. It's like you kill a couple of bear, <laughs> kill a couple of buffalo. You've killed 2,400 pounds of meat. You could carry 50 pounds of meat. Peace out. But that's a great lesson about what actually <laughs> happened in the list. It's actually true. Yeah, that is true. But I, don't, I think that, that that probably falls flat on, on the ears of Did you ever play the, the second edition of Oregon Trail where no. it was like a bunch of pictures like actual photographs and stuff no i got way into that when i was a kid <laughs> way into that and at one point there was a buffalo stampede which almost never happened uh-huh. like if you did 10 playthroughs it might happen once uh-huh. and i had my rifle out and i shot all but one of the buffalo and it was like four hundred thousand pounds of buffalo meat <laughs> it was awesome <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I was too busy playing like LucasArts point-and-click adventure games. <laughs> you probably... Well, we were kind of on the same trail. Sam and Max hit the, the road, baby. Trail. Sam and Max hit that road. All right, Jesse, let's move on to trivia. What do you say? Let's... Uh, doing trivia. Genus won a Trivial Pursuit. Uh, and... Uh, uh-huh. Are we got any dice in here? Yeah, here we go. Going to be rolling a six-sided dice, see which category we do. This week, it's a one. It's Geography, Jesse. Let's do Heck it. Yes. It's the first question. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna play the mess out of that. Yeah, play the mess out of geography. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, also, I like. Uh, I didn't. I, I forgot to mention this. Michael McBride. I like his phrase. Kick the tail out of the cowboys. It's like you didn't just yeah. kick the tail of the cowboys. You kicked the tail out of them. Like yeah, that's, basically, I mean, that's a lot of kicking. Disemboweled them. Uh, Oof. Yikes. Uh, Jesse, the first question is for you. What's the destination of the Arlberg Express leaving Vienna every night at 810? Uh, let's just play it safe and go with Berlin. I'm going to go with Vienna, Austria. I'm going to go with uh, 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 Geneva. Paris! Let's go to Paris. 
All right, this question for me. What body of water does the French resort of Bira... Bira... I, I cannot say this word. Biarritz. Sorry. <laughs> I can't read. Biar, Biarritz Lion. So, Jesse, you know where Biarritz is. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with the Mediterranean. Ah, dang it. I'll say the uh, North Sea. The Atlantic Ocean. Kind of missed that one, Jesse. Geographically. <laughs> Geographically, technically part of... Uh, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, the North Sea is part of the Atlantic, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't know where it, one starts and where the other begins. Well, I mean, Lake Puget Sound is technically part of the Pacific Ocean. Correct. Anyway. Something like that. Uh, Jesse, question for you. What's the term for a resident of Liverpool? Ooh, it's a Liverpudlian. I'm going to go with a Liverwurst. Uh, it is a Liverpudlian. Oh, it's Liverpudlian, Jesse. No, that's what I said. Pudlian. Okay, good. Liverpudlian. All right. I need this one to tie. What island group is Las Palmas a part of? Las Palmas. I'm going to say the Canary Islands. Solomons. I got it. The Canary Islands. Uh-oh. Hello. Owned by, owned by Spain. Las Palmas. All right, Jesse. That means it's time for a geography tiebreaker question. Whoever's geographically closest to the answer is going to win. What city is home to the famed Manaki Peas Fountain? Uh, Can you repeat that? Yeah, I'll I'll go ahead and spell it to you. What city is home to the famed M-A-N-N-E-K-E, the Manaki Peas, P-I-S, Fountain? Um, Rome. I'm going to go with Madrid. Brussels... Belgium, I believe Madrid is closest closer to that. I think so. Than I Rome. Think. Pretty sure. So I'm just going to take that. I'm going to take that victory. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. I believe I've kicked the tail out of you. Um, and, uh, I wouldn't we got, say that. We got one more topic, <laughs> and uh, we don't have a category for this one, so we're just going to call it malls. All right, malls. Uh <laughs> I paused for the music there. I don't know why. Yeah. Oh, I don't actually don't want to do this malls one. We'll do a different one. We're gonna go with food. <laughs> <laughs> I got topics coming out my butt, buddy. You gotta pull. Ew. Uh, you gotta pull from the show. Tom goes to the mayor. Yep. They go in the in the intro. It goes shopping, food. <laughs> I would be happy about that. You kind of nailed both of them on that. I did. Shopping. Food. Okay, it's food time, Jesse. Now, have you heard about the greatest deal ever known to man? Free food. Now, this is a place where you can get free food. In fact, you can get free free breadsticks. Uh, Uh, I think you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the OG. the The Olive Garden. See, they're not free. Well, you do have to spend money. <laughs> well, they're free as long as you buy something. Who's, who's complaining about that? I am, clearly. I was eating at Red Robin once when I was in college, and this guy came in and he goes, I want a pound of fries and a, and a heaping glass of ice. And he, he, those were the exact words a heaping glass of ice. 
And the guy kind of wrote down his order because they don't have like a pound of fries. Like that's not something you can order. You can order never-ending fries. Really, it's an infinite amount of pound of fries at Red right. Robin. But just cut yourself off at five, uh, at one pound, sir. Yeah. So the guy, <laughs> we'll bring it one basket at a time. Exactly. So this guy comes and he, he brings him his fries, brings him his heaping glass of ice, and then he pulls a Seven Up out of his pocket and fills up the cup. That is a good move. <laughs> That is a power move. It's a power move. I mean, you walk in, you demand something that's not even on the menu, and then you bring your own drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Olive Garden is kind of one up. Why do you need? I mean, like, I get it. Yep. Fries are more made more delicious with Seven Up, but you could just get water mm-hmm. and drink your Seven Up later. No, 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 no. That's not a power <laughs> move. Right, yeah, that's true. That's that's a wimp move. Yeah, power. I think Jesse W the W stands for wimp Wilson <laughs> move. I mean, yeah, that's that's uh, that, I mean, fries and water. That's like a prison meal. I mean, fries and Seven Up. That's a free man's meal. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I hear you. Anyway, the Olive Garden is one up all of. He's one up the the pound of fries guy. Okay. And by he, I mean the Olive Garden is obviously male. Uh, Mr. Olive Garden? <laughs> Mr. Olive G. Garden. Um, <laughs> G. Arden. <laughs> Olive G. Arden. Uh, <laughs> so they've done something that's amazing. Okay. Uh, and, you, and it's so amazing you can't even take part in it anymore because it was too popular. But if you want to eat never-ending soup, salad, and breadsticks, never-ending pasta bowls, and not have to worry about even picking up the check. You can just mm-hmm. pay for it all in advance with the Olive Garden Super Pass. And I'm just calling it the Super Pass. Oh, no. No, they haven't done this, have they? They have. People will die. So this is a crazy thing, man. And like I said, you can't even do this anymore. This this is all this began and end on and ended on September eighth. But I'm sure they'll do it again. Mm-hmm. They sold one super pass. The yep. man died that day. <laughs> they're like, maybe we shouldn't allow unlimited amount of carbohydrates. Well, okay. So this is the never ending pasta pass, which for one hundred dollars gives <laughs> the, gives the holder the right to consume all of the pasta, salad, bread. And Coca-Cola branded soft drinks they could stuff down their throats for 49 days. Oh, okay. Yes. So you get seven weeks of unlimited pasta. I thought, I thought this was a forever pass. No, no, no. It's only it only lasts for seven weeks. Still. Okay, so I can, the, eat, I can eat a lot of goddamn pasta in seven weeks. You can eat a ton of goddamn pasta, but the thing about this is that you go to the Olive Garden. Like you're looking at like a eleven dollar pasta, and then a two dollar soda, and uh-huh. f- unlimited breadsticks already. Yeah, that's a good point. So that's like fifteen bucks. That's like it's like eighteen dollars with tip. Eighteen ninety five. Okay. You haven't brought up all those salads I'm gonna eat though. Well, okay. So you go you do the you go to lunch. You get the unlimited soup, salad, breadsticks. That's like eight ninety five. Right. I'm just saying, yeah. how much, how much fucking Olive Garden are you eating that you that this is even you could even justify this thing? But hundred dollars <laughs> for seven weeks. Yeah, 
I mean, if you're in college, you could eat you could eat a lot of pasta in that time. Yeah, and if you're in college, I feel like you could probably you could probably pull this off. I feel like it's a good deal for. Go I'm sure it. the upper echelons of uh, Olive Garden were like, no man will come for more than three days in a row. Mm-hmm. It's just not possible. They will burn out. That's the thing about pasta. Like, you can't eat pasta for every meal. You'd be sweating Alfredo. No, it'd be disgusting. And I'm not talking about... more s- pasta now than man. And I'm... <laughs> like a tortellini. I'm sorry, I was going to make a different joke, but I love that joke. <laughs> I was going to say Sweating Alfredo, and I'm not talking about the the mob hitman. Uh, so your, you jo- your joke is obviously better. Um, but <laughs> you win everything this week. Yeah, I mean, how much how much Olive Garden pasta? Like you would have to love Olive Garden pasta, because I feel like you're going to get really f- grossed out by Olive Garden pasta by the end of the 49 days. If you're going... My question... Often enough to is, justify it. Sorry, go. Is the past transferable? This is what I think is not true. I don't think that you... I think this is for one person. So you're you, not going to pay for the whole table. You know how Johnny Knoxville... Um, like, he has that old guy mask? Mm-hmm. And he goes around and pretends yeah. to be the old guy? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, bad grandpa. I feel... By one Olive Garden pasta pass, by one old guy mask... Uh-huh. Have... You know, you can have twenty friends go in on the on these two things. <laughs> what it will be really disgusting to put that mask on by the oh, end of God. the forty ninth day. So much clam sauce. <laughs> but I feel like you could every if everyone if you schedule this out correctly, like so much World of Warcraft rain. Exactly. Then I feel like everyone could get all you can eat pasta for like five dollars each. <laughs> Your whole well, fantasy football league can go in on it. I mean, that's only twenty people. That's twenty people eating once. You have forty nine days for this. <laughs> yeah, I this mean, old guy. This old I mean, guy. You'd, you'd also have to buy a pair of clothes because yeah. they would get suspicious if the old guy comes in in different clothes every time. Well, it's just the same style. Just the same style right. of clothes. Right. Just get like three outfits. Yeah. But like this guy, this guy, he bought the unlimited. This old guy bought the unlimited pasta pass. He comes in seven times a day. Mm-hmm. He eats four hundred pounds of pasta a day. <laughs> it's not physically possible. <laughs> the pass says go. <laughs> the pass says give him more pasta. It's just crazy, man. So the thing is, they did put a they did put a cap on this. I mean, this is these are actually way more exclusive. Than PAX badges because the Olive Garden <laughs> Unlimited Never Ending Pasta Pass, although it does end, so I don't know why they call it that. Uh, yeah, that's a misnomer for sure. Yeah, the Never Ending Pasta Pass ends in forty nine days. Yeah, it's like how the Never Ending Story was ninety minutes. <laughs> uh, but the Never Ending Pasta Pass, there's only a thousand available. And the pass, the pasta pass is sold out in forty-five minutes. Oh, you gotta, you gotta get on that Twitter account. You gotta, you gotta get the text alerts <laughs> for your pasta pass. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just insanity. And the greatest thing about this the capper of the whole thing is, I there's there's a there's a there's an internet celebrity who picked one of these up, 
and his name is Mr. Justin McElroy of the My oh, Brother and My yeah, Brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he will put it. He's trying to lose weight. I know. It's the worst thing. Oh, Justin. Maybe he's just going to use it to carbell load before workouts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a long distance runner. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, you eat one one thing of Olive Garden pasta, one plate of pasta, plus a basket of breadsticks. That's like six thousand calories. I'm sure. <laughs> Wash it down with a Coca Cola. Woo! Did I ever tell you about when I worked at uh uh at Dairy Queen? Mm-mm. And me and my coworker, uh, we we found the giant laminated printout of the calories, mm-hmm. like for every item, and we we calculated uh, what would be the most cal- uh, caloric meal. Yeah. It was like it was like a large double flamethrower meal, <laughs> and if you sub out the soda for a, a large cookie dough blizzard. <laughs> It was like two. It was like twenty five hundred calories. <laughs> pretty That's sure I. I'm, I'm pretty sure I had that meal when I was in junior high. <laughs> yeah. But that's why you're getting basically every time you eat at the Olive Garden. I got. I got. A, I got. Actually, I have a question for you. An insider question as a former Dairy Queen employee. Mm-hmm. Um, what's with the Texas toast? Do you know what I'm talking uh, about? Yeah. I every time I would go to the uh to the to the Dairy Queen and make the crazy mistake of not ordering just ice cream. It's basically an ice cream place. I hot mean, eats, yeah, uh, or, or it's like hot regrets and cold treats. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, like all of their food. Like I got, I I just remember a chicken strip meal, a uh, chicken strip basket at one point that I purchased at Dairy Queen. And the picture looked amazing. <laughs> and I open up the box. <laughs> and it literally looked like someone just threw a piece of chicken and a limp piece of white bread into a box and gave it to me for like $6. Well, okay. For one, mm-hmm. I only I never worked the, the brazer. Okay. Um, I only worked the delicious ice cream treat side. Oh, okay. Things. So they keep it they keep it separated. It is definitely kept separated. Okay. And for two, hey dumbass, don't go to a place called Dairy Queen <laughs> and buy chicken strips. Well, I tried to buy milk and they didn't have any. <laughs> that, actually, they had it. <laughs> they just didn't give it to you. Can I get a gallon of milk, please? <laughs> you probably you probably could order that. Okay. <laughs> on the secret menu mm-hmm. uh so I, the fr- the thing is here like texas toast is not a substitute for fries just put fries in it like what differentiates texas toast from regular toast texas toast is like super buttery and garlicky oh man i don't know have you ever seen like online they'll post like pictures of barbecue platters from texas and stuff and there's like all this delicious smoked brisket yeah. and sausages and stuff and then it's like plain white bread yeah well because you can make us you know i'm a big fan of sandwich making that's uh, why my favorite breakfast is the breakfast with the bacon and the eggs and the hash browns and the bread because then you just make a sandwich out of it and it's delicious i'm all for that just 
It's just filler. It's garbage. I'm all for it, though, if you if you can make a sandwich. They're basically mm-hmm. saying mm-hmm. if you want to eat this in sandwich form, which is basically the best form to eat anything, then do it. Be our guest. But the fact of the matter is the chicken strip basket, I'm not making that into a sandwich. I'm pretty sure that fries should have been included in the chicken strip basket, so- though. But even still, that's even more of an argument against the Texas toast because I'm not going to make a chicken strip and fries sandwich. Why not? I'm not a Go monster. Throw some of your cookie dough blizzard in there too. Oh yeah. Well, I think we can all agree nothing beats dipping your Wendy's fries into the frosty. Yes, but a frosty and a blizzard are two completely different things. No, that's true. I mean, I, I understand. A frosty I is a malt, that. a malted, delicious chocolate treat. Whereas a blizzard is a standalone, uh, delicious gut bomb. Yes. And that's the only thing you should buy at a Dairy Queen. Yeah, buy a chocolate chip cookie dough blizzard. It's literally the only <laughs> thing that is possibly delicious there. Just All the do that. There's a great. Uh, one thing I would advise against is anything with white, bra- white gravy, like the aforementioned ch- chicken basket. Mm-hmm. Uh, because at, it was my job at the end of the night to uh, do all the dishwashing. Okay. And I had to take I had to take the giant stainless steel drum full of the white gravy and blast it with the super hot water spray gun thing, uh-huh. and it was the most disgusting smell that I've ever <laughs> smelt in my entire life. <laughs> oh, I it just sits there all day. Like, if, if they're getting low on gravy, do you think they're like, oh, let's swap this out and get a new thing for the fresh batch of gravy? No, it just goes on top. They put more gravy stuff they just, in the same thing, and then it, it creates like a gravy cake. They just throw a, a chocolate chip cookie dough blizzard in there and let it melt down. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. It's pretty nasty, so don't get the white gravy at Dairy Queen. Well, this conversation has got to be one of my favorite conversations. Maybe we're gonna have to make food a regular segment on here, but uh, mm-hmm. but let's talk. Let's get the Facebook roundup, man. Let's do it. Uh, yeah, let's let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Each week we uh, go on Facebook. We say, "Hey guys, we're on Facebook. You're on Facebook. Let's Facebook." Uh, <laughs> and we do. Uh, we, we call it the Facebook roundup. You type stuff in there, and we talk about it on the show. Uh, this week's Facebook roundup is oh oh I think we got a little something from Levi in here, but we're gonna have to save that for the end. Uh, starting off with Rachel, she says favorite pizza toppings. Didn't we talk about this last week? Salami and feta. Salami feta, and I'm a sausage man. Basically, did I tell you I've been making my own pizza dough? I saw the picture. You did a stovetop pizza. No, no, no. I I just was preparing it on the stovetop and baked it. Okay. But I've been making my own pizza dough. And cooking it in the oven. Mm-hmm. Delicious. Early reco. Basically, so I want all of the meats. If uh, if you just put all the meats on the pizza and I'm going to eat that. That's my favorite pizza. All meat pizza. JM. That's kind of cool. JM says, when is it too early for fall seasonals to go on shelves? I found pumpkin ales in the middle of August. Now, for me... Uh, fall seasonals, my least favorite seasonal season. Uh, and therefore, I'm okay with it going on the shelves as early as possible because that means that winter seasonals will then go on the shelves as early as possible. Uh, yeah, I, I don't like the creep, but um, I, I feel like September, definitely October is fine for fall seasonal. See, I feel like late October is when winter seasonals start kicking in. 
I feel like, yeah, I, I'd say September 1 for fall and then uh, November 1 for winter. Like it. Like it, like it, like it. Um, what else we got here? Zach says, count me in for Skype D&D. Who's organizing it? We'll organize it. We'll keep you posted. That's definitely something that's coming down the pike, but we got plenty of other stuff to worry about right now. But we will be uh, – uh, that's something we're definitely focused on doing in the future. Uh, well, that's a question, though. Mm-hmm. Because I think we, we will be broadcasting our Dungeons & Dragons in the future. Right. But – um, my question is, is he talking about because, like, Rolo wanted to do, like... No, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about us D&Ding with listeners. That's something that we're planning. Oh, oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Very super-duper, duper-duper excited about that project. Yes. So that's something that we are definitely planning, and uh, stay tuned for that. Yeah. Um, And if you guys want to organize and get a group together, please do. please use utilize our Facebook page to do that. As but well. yeah, if you guys want to use our Facebook page to get a D&D group going together, that would be sweet. That'd be awesome. Um, I, I'd kind of want to play. Like if someone else was DMing. Yeah. Um, I might even want to sit on that. Uh, Aaron says, got a quick reco for a crime thriller show on Netflix called The Killing. All four seasons are available on stream or available to stream. Uh, season one or two are kind of slow and drawn out, but seasons three and four get much better. The shows are also set in Seattle. So I figure you guys might dig it. Stay arrogant. I... I was a little apprehensive until you said in Seattle. I love every show that's set in Seattle. <laughs> I do. I really do. That's not even a joke. I love Twin Peaks, although it's not really in Seattle. It's in Washington. I love Frasier. Uh, uh, what was that show? Uh, it was the ghost, like the girl who's a ghost. What? Yeah, it takes place in Seattle, but it's very clearly filmed in Toronto or Vancouver. No, filmed in Vancouver. Uh, well, I mean, uh, that's what all of the sh- no show that's set in Seattle is filmed in Seattle. Right. Ah, man, my wife would know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that girl's a ghost. Uh, Kevin. It's, it's literally the name of something like that. The girl's a ghost on Netflix. Uh, yeah. Roger says, uh, connect the dotsy. Here's my favorite fall. Here's my favorite thing for fall seasonals and my, and fall flavors in general. To me, it all starts on September 1st. Winter starts on December 1st, spring starts March 1st, and summer starts June 1st. FYI, solar positions be damned. Thus, I had my first fall beer on September 1st. My thinking is I'd rather have them available and not need them than not have them available and need one, because boy, do I need them. I'm I'm with you, but only with winter seasonals, and I'm not waiting till December 1st to start drinking winter seasonals. Yeah, I think December one is a little late for winter seasonals. Yeah, I want to. I want a winter seasonal with my Thanksgiving dinner. There you go. Uh, Kevin comes back says slowly making my way through new games. I concur with you guys that Hive is a great two player game. Also played Magic for the first time as well. After hearing so much excellent things from you guys over the years, uh, we thought we had a starters pack, but we discovered we did not. So after reading some basic rules online, we played some games and it was awesome. Yeah, dude, Magic man. I am impressed that you had a good time playing Magic without someone teaching you how to play Magic. Yeah, that's pretty hardcore. It's a very, very difficult game to just two people who don't know how to play <laughs> sitting down and trying to play it. That is tough. It's yeah, sort there... of the type of thing that I think you need to be mentored into. Well, the, the interesting thing here, Jesse, is I actually played my first game of Magic with my wife this week. Because... How'd that go? It actually went really well because, first of all, she's really good at Seasons. And Seasons incorporates a lot of things from Magic the Gathering um, in terms of like buying things with mana and paying for them that way. 
The other thing is that when we went to PAX, they gave out a bunch of Magic Starter Packs in the swag bag. So I had like three of them, and they're little 30-card decks, and they are M15, so there's not a lot of extra rules added on. And it's kind of a good ease into it. I don't think she's going to become uh, you know, an obsessed Magic player by any means, but it actually went pretty smoothly for our first game. I was very excited about it. So, And I appreciate right. her sitting down and playing it with me. Um, I got next game. All right. Uh, oh, did I tell you? I forgot to tell you. I also played with the X-19 guys, and I had a no, great time. You did tell me that. You sanitized them. Well, I did sanitize them uh, during the game, but I also used the Jesse Wilson School of Drafting, and I did really well in our draft tournament. That we, I mean, so, a little bit so what is that? Um, as many flying and unblockable creatures as possible. Oh, that is not an original thought by me. Yeah, by but you, you taught it to me, so you're my sensei. Okay. <laughs> All right. You are my sensei. It was basically, like, every game was just getting as many creatures out on the board as possible, and then just constantly attacking them with my flying guy. Because yeah. I could just block everybody else and then just attack, attack, attack with the flyer. Yeah, so. they get the job done. They get that job done. Um, Roger comes back, says, love you guys. Also, best fast food restaurant. Sorry for Panfee Aficionados. What's your favorite? What's your go-to? It's got to be Taco Bell, right? Taco Bell. Yeah. I'm glad you knew that. Well, I know it for you. Uh-huh. I mean, the, I've been, I've actually done a little bit of thinking about this. I have a special place in my heart for Burger King. and You know, I really like a Whopper. Yeah. Love a Whopper. I, I feel like they get their sauces right. Yep, and their their sauce to pickle ratio is good. Mm-hmm. Mm, I don't love their fries though. Well, I've gone through a few fry recipes over the years. The interesting thing is, on a drunken night last <laughs> weekend, uh, we went to Burger King for a little drunk meal, and they now have a thing <laughs> called their version of the meal. Yeah, drunk meal. They now have a thing <laughs> called chicken fries. Oh is, no, that's been around for a while. That's disgusting. It's awesome. It's everything that I love about the chicken basket, except it's cool. Oh, dear God. It's like, get a dipping sauce, get mini chicken strips, and then eat a Whopper. Ugh. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I do have a special place in my heart for Burger King. And it goes back to my childhood, because for some reason my family shunned McDonald's, and like Burger King was like, like every other week my mom would just bring home Whoppers for dinner, and we'd all have Whoppers. When I was a kid living in Bremerton... The local Burger King did five, their deal was five Whoppers, five fries, five bucks. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine that these days? That's an insane amount of food. And the Whoppers were, they had to have been bigger back then. Maybe that's all relative because I'm a little bigger Uh. now than I was. (laughs) Uh, No, yeah. And then they they did 99 cent Whoppers. And then they did 99 cent Junior Whoppers. And now you, Uh. oh man. And then uh, my my guilty pleasure is the Rodeo Cheeseburger, man. Yeah, I know. Jack in the Box. (sighs) Jack in the Box, for my money, has the best combos. Dude, I can't do it, though. I love the curly fries at Jack in the Box, but I always get weirded out by the rest of the food. Like, I feel like their burgers make my mouth hurt. It's like they're, I like Jack. It's like they're menthol burgers. Like, they're they're tasty, but they'll, like, chop up your insides. <laughs> no, it's true. The chances of getting one of the, like... You know when you're eating food and you get like something rubbery and hard and yeah. you have to pull it out and throw it away? Yeah. Those are much higher at Jack in the Box. Exactly. But I love you're, the curly you're, like, fries. like eating the brand. Yeah. Or the cattle got branded. I do love the curly fries, though. Anyway. <laughs> 
Man, we we just gotta have a fast food segment, I think. A little fast food <laughs> reminiscing. Uh Simon says, What would you guys consider your top five Disney movie villains of all time? I don't think I could do all five of them. Darth Vader. <laughs> uh, awesome. Emperor Palpatine. Emperor Palpatine. Uh Sarlacc Pit Monster, Jabba the Hutt. Well, I like I'm a big fan of Scar from The Lion King. Uh, Scarlack Pit Monster. Scarlack, the Scarlack Monster. Uh, I also the one that the one that initially came to mind, like right in front of my mind, was Jafar from Aladdin, because that guy was ruthless. Like the end of Aladdin freaked the shit out of me because he becomes a genie and then he completely unravels the magic carpet, like basically just rips it to shreds so that it doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. He turns Abu into a toy. Like, it's terrifying. Yeah, I'm just barely remembering this now as it's you describe it. It's terrifying. That final scene of Aladdin is terrifying. It's like he de- he just sucks the life out of everything that is around him. Um, and he forgets about the infinite cosmic power in the itty living space, and that's his downfall. So I'm going to go with Jafar. Uh, James, said, James Passion says, R.I.P. James Facebook Roundup. It was fun while it lasted. Talk... Talk about this stuff, please. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We got to check this out. Yeah, so James decided he's going to do his own Facebook roundup. Unfortunately, he's the only one who posted in it. But he's first thing he says is, I think they should figure out uh, which World War II general would replace each Renaissance painter in TMNT. I love this. And we can do this. Okay. I need your help though, because I don't really remember Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Okay, I got that the much. I got the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You can so, take the generals. Okay, so for we're gonna go. Okay, we're gonna so go, you just give me the brief description. Okay, Leonardo, leader of the group, the ultimate, the supreme leader. Oh, so well, be, obviously that is going to be Eisenhower. I was gonna say MacArthur. No, Eisenhower is Supreme Allied Commander. Okay, okay, cool. So he's Eisenhower. Um, then you have Raphael, he's a badass. Yeah. Just a badass? Yeah. He's a ba- he's 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 a little bit of a loose cannon. Okay, Patton. Patton. Okay, so Patton is Raphael. Uh and then you have Donatello who's a scientist. Um the scientists I'm going to give to uh I know he's not a. I know he's not a general, but I'm still going to give it to Winston Churchill. Okay, well, the strategist. General. The strategist. Right. And then finally, Michael Michelangelo, who's the uh, loose. He's he's a wild card. He's goofy. That's he's, your MacArthur. That's your MacArthurist. <laughs> I love that Churchill is in that group. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Eisenhower, Patton, Churchill, and MacArthur. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, okay, let's go with uh, James Patterson says, I think they should discuss their favorite tectonic plate boundaries. It's got to be the San Juan plate. San Juan, baby. Just tucking right under that Pacific plate. You know it's going to happen soon or yeah, later. That's, eventually. That's a, yummy, that's a yummy combo. That's a yummy combo. Finally, we got James saying, I think they should call random podcast listeners and record it. JR at 3 a.m., Dennis Klein back at 9 a.m. I don't know why we're calling JR at 3 a.m. I mean, uh, he only lives in St. Because he's still up. Okay. Oh, that's yeah. That's when he's calling us. No, that's Michael McBride. JR's from Philly. 
I mean, right. I mean, you know, I guess three a.m. our time. Yeah, if we end oh, at wait, midnight, six. I don't know. Uh, but James, we'll call you. Just give us your phone number. <laughs> we'll call you. We'll call you very late. It'll be awesome. Very slow. Uh, John O'Brien says best fall seasonals, and do you get Sam Adams or Harpoon out there? We definitely get Sam Adams, and I've seen Harpoon yeah. around. I haven't seen Harpoon since I went to New England. Oh, okay. Maybe that's what I'm resonating. I think Harpoon was like the only one of the only craft beers you could get in New England. Yeah, it's basically Sam Adams, Harpoon, and a bunch of garbage. <laughs> Magic hat. And a bag of garbage. Um, uh, what else we got here? Facebook round it very robust this week, guys. Uh, James says, I've got an Xbox One and I love it. I'm looking for Xbox Live friends. Just be sure... To message that you are personal arrogance listeners, get off my back, gamer tag Jacques Deloop. Uh, James, you might want to post a couple shows ago. We had a thread where people posted all their gamer tags. You could find a lot of gamer tags in that post. So just look for an episode thread. I think it's like around episode 208. Matt says, best live band, small or big? Uh, for me, my favorite live band experience was Explosions in the Sky when I was in college. It was in a tiny little thing. But it was a great concert. I saw um, the White Stripes and the AAS open for them. Really? Yeah. They at op- Wamu Theater. They open for Explosions in the Sky? Oh, no. You saw the... Okay. You saw the White Stripes and the AAS. <laughs> I, saw the white- yeah. <laughs> I said they both opened for Explosions in the Sky. No, no, no. I saw the White Stripes and the AAS open for them. Yeah, I can understand how that was confusing. Yes. But I was Stone Cold Sober, and it was an awesome show. Awesome, awesome. Um, okay, what else we got here? Sorry. Um, Spencer says, Aaron and Jim did an AMA on Reddit. Reddit, it got a lot of attention. It was, one of, and it was on the front page of the r slash IMA uh, subreddit. I think you guys should do one. It would give Jesse a chance to have more people see his Kickstarter. Also, who wins a fight, Gorilla or Grizzly? Uh, I'm going to go with Grizzly. Grizzly, for yeah. sure. I think that uh, the Gorilla is just a fat man, basically. <laughs> <laughs> just a fat dude. <laughs> um, I, would do I don't it know if a lot of people would be interested in uh, personal against AMA. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I don't I, want to set myself up for that failure. <laughs> I mean, Aaron and Jim, I mean, we could try it. We could give it a they shot. They get so many more listeners than we do. That's true. But, uh, I mean, maybe next time we're drunk and it's late, we'll just do one. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, yeah, they, <laughs> they just kind of blew up. They had like over 250 responses. It was big. Dude, I was just browsing Reddit. Yeah. I was just saying next, 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 and I stumbled on that. I was like, no way. No way. I know these guys. <laughs> That's the funny thing is when I post stuff and then Jordy will randomly comment on it. And I'm like, Jordy, where'd you find this? <laughs> I love it. Finally, yeah. Levi says, forget smartwatches. Would you wear a Fallout-style Pip-Boy uh, well, I think no. that's very cool. I would never wear it. Although, I don't wear anything except my wedding ring. Yeah. I, I was really in the clothes. watch. I was no, re- but besides like clothes. clothes. Yeah, yeah. I was I was really I in the watches. Wear- yeah, I, yeah. Go ahead. I used to be really in the watches, and then I haven't worn a watch in like nine years. 
I just kind of, I kind of got up that watch train. I think that happens to most people when they get a smartphone or a cell phone in general. It's like right. basically, yeah, cell phones killed the watch biz. It's the return of the pocket watch. That's why um, the Citizen Eco Watch, the best <laughs> spokesperson they can get, is Eli Manning. <laughs> Precision. That's my favorite thing. Is when you're watching a Giants game, Eli Manning throws a pick six, and then it cuts to commercial, and it's him for the Citizen Eco Watch. And the first thing they say is precision. <laughs> I love it. All right, guys, we're gonna get on uh, to end the show, but before we do, tell you about BallMove.com, guys. Check out BallMove.com. Lots of good stuff for up there. I uh, just want to highlight a couple things. Of course, our friends at the Because Show and Up Yours Downstairs are located at ballmove.com. And there is the wrap-up cast for the leftovers on HBO. And there's this first cast for Boardwalk Empire, uh, uh, which is in its final season. So check that stuff out, ballmove.com. We're there as well. And get in touch with us. Personal records at gmail.com, 360-362-0024 on the phone line. Uh <laughs> at personal podcast on twitter you can find us on facebook at the bald move facebook page and the personal arrogance facebook page and guys you can find us on kickstarter i think we're just going to forego recommendations until this kickstarter is over get go on kickstarter guys uh lovecraft brewing company uh it would make everybody so happy i feel like the whole personal arrogance army is going to be so stoked when this thing finally hits 30 grand so yeah uh yeah. Let's let's do it together, guys. If you haven't done that yet, go on Kickstarter. Lovecraft Brewing Company. Uh, and I'm not I'm I'm not exaggerating at all when I say I need the help of every single listener, right? Who's listening right now? If you give ten bucks, thank you. Yeah. Um. Just go check it out. See what interests you. But I really, absolutely, a hundred percent need the help of everybody listening because. I'm really swinging for the fences on this one, and it's it's all or nothing. Absolutely. It's all or nothing. So, yeah, it, it, like if you have that $10 sitting in your wallet and you're burning a hole, guys, this is the place to spend it. Yeah. Um, so, we and, and God damn it, we appreciate it so much. And great backer rewards. You're yeah. not just giving me money. I'm giving you stuff back, too. Cool, cool stuff. So, uh, guys, that's the show. Jesse, thanks so much for another a uh, couple hours of pod or an hour and a half or whatever it is of podcasting. <laughs> thank you. Hey, thank you. Thank you. And uh, <laughs> uh, until next time, guys, remember that wherever you go, whatever you do, please stay, stay arrogant. arrogant. Go see Hawks. Whoop. <laughs>